Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. God took me to the scripture where he told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh something's about to go down. And when Moses said, well, who shall I say sent me? God says, I am that I am. And as we were worshiping, I leaned over to my wife. I leaned over to my wife and I said, I need a flag. Because what I saw God put in my mind Jehovah Nisi, who was the Lord, our banner. And as I saw that and the flag was being waved, it wasn't a flag of surrender, but it was a flag of battle. And in the midst of that, God took me to 2 Chronicles 20 and 15. If you don't know what happens in that particular text, there are three armies who come against the King Jehoshaphat. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. None of them liked each other, but they all didn't like Jehoshaphat. So I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there are some people who don't like you, but they don't like each other, but they'll come together to come against you. And in the midst of that, Jehoshaphat, he didn't get angry, he didn't get upset. What he did was he worshiped God. And in the midst of worshiping God, there was somebody who rose up in the crowd. You never hear about him before, you never hear about him after. His only significance was this one moment. So I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you may seem, you may think that you're insignificant, but God has something for you in your moment. And this son, this young man named Jehaziel rode up and he stood up and he said, hear me, O King Jehoshaphat. Hear me, all of Israel. For this battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And when I heard that, God said, before you preach a word, let my people know. Quit stressing about where you are, for it ain't yours, it's the Lord's. And this is how we fight our battle. How do we fight our battle? We trust the word of the Lord. And that's not all. Because in the story, after Jehaziel stood up, Jehoshaphat got a word from the Lord and the Lord says, don't put your army before your people. Put your worshipers. <laughs> Some of y'all trying to fight and all you got to do is fight. Some of you are stressing out, but all you got to do is lift your hands and praise the name of the Lord. But the Bible says that God, he told them, when you go before me, go and say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they did this, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir got confused and started killing each other. Oh, I wish somebody would catch this. Some of us are worried about what we see. But if you praise the Lord, what you see will destroy each other. For the Bible says that after they all destroyed each other, 
the children of Israel walked into the battle and everybody was dead. And for three days, they went back. And in those three days, they went and collected gold and silver and everything they needed. Who goes to battle with all of their resources in their pocket? <laughs> I'm excited right now. Because the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. You wondering how you gonna get that wealth? Worship the Lord. Because the enemy is carrying everything he has on him. You don't understand everything we have. When, we, when you have the Holy Ghost, you carry everything you have in you. Because if it's on me, I can take it off. If it's on me, I can receive. But when it's in you, the enemy cannot destroy it because it's... I'm done. Let's get into this word. This is how I fight my battle. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And I'm excited about that because that lets me know that no matter where I go, the Lord has already fought my battle for me. And if you receive that, put your hands together and say amen. Amen. Whew. Whew, God. My experience is through, I got, I was born in the Baptist church. I was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in the Church of God in Christ. The church of God in Christ was tripping, so I went back to the Baptist church and got ordained and licensed in the Baptist church. So I guess you would say I'm full gospel <laughs> because all full gospel is is a Baptist Church of God in Christ. But I say that to say this. It doesn't matter what you were brought up in. The same Holy Ghost is available to you. Whether you're Baptist, Kojic, uh, if there's anything else. Is there anything else besides Baptist and Kojic? <laughs> the same Holy Ghost is available to you. Let's jump into this word. Second Peter. Second Peter. We're going to close out this uh, series today. We thank God for our pastor. Let's give our pastor some praise. Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with giving your pastor a little bit of praise. Amen. As long as you don't praise him louder than you praise Jesus, there's nothing wrong with thanking God for your pastor. And let's, let's also give our first lady some praise because many times we celebrate the pastor, but we don't realize the things that the lady of the house also goes through. Amen. So, Pastor, as you're watching, we thank God for you. We love you. We're praying that you are relaxing with a non-alcoholic beverage somewhere chilling. Amen. You and your wife. I learned a new word, and there's kids in here, so I can't say it. But hopefully you are having fun at home. Amen. And enjoying Jesus together. My wife and I call it praise and worship. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter. Oh, let's read this. This is God's word for my life. Amen. First Peter, we're going to start at the beginning of the text. I know we've been uh, making our way through this for quite a while now. I promise you I'm not going to keep you long. I know that's the lie that most preachers tell you, but I promise you we're going to get out of here at a decent time. Amen. You may even make the lunch special. But... Verse number one says this, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained 
a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. Somebody say, he called me. Who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Some Bibles say charity. For if this quality are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, for whosoever lacked these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. For therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these, things, uh, these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be uh, richly provided for you an interest into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For a few moments, I want to talk to you from the topic of, are you sure about this? When I got the call, leave that up there for a minute. When I got the call to minister, pastor said, can you minister next week? I was supposed to be here next week. Pastor Stacy was supposed to be here this week and uh, something happened where she couldn't make it. But he called me back and said, I need you to go a week earlier. I was excited when he gave me the text. But I was also a little concerned because generally when God gives me a word, the pastor generally doesn't give me a text. And I'm going to be real with you. Uh, uh, Minister Jermaine can tell you that I struggled with this. It was yesterday before I got him my notes. Because... I was going back and forth with God. I said, God, what is it that you would have to say to your people? Pastor's been preaching this for weeks. Uh, 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 Pastor G did an amazing job last week with what he preached. Hey, Amen. how can I follow up on this? And when I read it in verse number 10, it said, make your calling and election sure. I got excited because I thought that it was saying about your works. I was going to come and I was going to prophesy missions and I was going to lay hands and say, this is what God is calling you to do. However, when I began to study it, I learned that the text wasn't talking about your work, but it was talking about your salvation. When we look at salvation, one thing we have to understand is that you are not getting saved because you come to the front of the church and give your pastor your hand. You can do that a hundred times and never see the kingdom of God. Because if something has not transitioned in your heart before you come to the altar, all you did was put your sin on display. How is it sin? Y'all all right this morning? Can we go here? We may not shout, we may not run, but hey, we're going to get a word. How is it that I put my sin on display? 
Because what I'm doing in that moment, when I have not allowed my heart to be transformed to the very thing that God wants to do in me, when I come to the altar, I come to the altar strictly through my flesh. And anything done in the flesh that does not glorify God is sin. There is no greater sin. There is no multiple sins. When you look at the Bible, sin never has an S on the end of it. It is sin. So there is no greater sin than cussing or sleeping around. It's all sin when God looks down. So are you really sure that you're ready to walk in this thing called salvation? So as we look at our text, I want to draw your attention to, to the first subject, the first topic that I have, and it's are you sure about this? This iPhone here, it's an iPhone. I've never owned an Android, so I don't know. I had a BlackBerry before this. Matter of fact, that's how me and my wife met. She took my BlackBerry and put her number in it. She told me on the second day. It wasn't even the second day. It was the second time meeting. She says, I went home last night and had a dream, and God showed me you was my husband. I said, deuces. <laughs> but we met through ugly situations. See, I had a BlackBerry, and she put her number in, but my, my line, I, I never had any game. I just, I, I, I've been married before. That's not a secret. I've been married before. I was married seven years, and I told her when I met her, I said, she had on some Ugg boots. And I told her, this was my game, y'all. I said, them boots show is ugly. I don't know how she got hooked by that, but that was all Jesus. And I had on a jacket, and it had rhinestones on the back of it, and I was fly. Every time I walked, I glittered. I was like Michael Jackson. She said, well, your jacket show is ugly. And the rest is history. This November, we celebrate 10 years of marriage because God is good. And every year, I promise her, I'm going to buy her some Ugg boots, amen, just to remind her of where we've been. Amen. But as we look at this phone, this phone has some features. The phone says, answer, decline, remind me later, or send them a message. I'm not a phone talker, but there's also an option that says silent. As we look at this phone, we see that uh, the one on the other end is God, and he continually calls us. And just like this phone, we have options of what we will do. However, some of us non-phone talkers, we will silence it. And the thing about silencing your phone, your iPhone, iPhone users notice you can silence it, but it doesn't make the call go away. The call is still there, however, the ringer has stopped. You no longer hear the noise. You no longer hear the ringing of the phone. You just silenced it. And some of us are there in our walks with salvation. We see that God is calling us. However, we have tried to silence the voice of God because we don't necessarily want to deal with that right now because truly and honestly, I like my life. I'm okay with, with coming here on Sunday morning. I'm okay with coming and lifting my hands in worship. I'm okay with coming and shaking the pastor's head. I'm okay with dressing up and getting here at 1 o'clock, which is a blessing, getting here at 1 o'clock. But what I'm not okay with is God taking over my Monday, if we're real with ourselves. 
Because I've got this experience down and I've got this thing down here where I have come in and the enemy has made my mind think that I'm saved. But there is nothing that I am producing that shows the world that I have the God that I say I have. God in here. I ain't going to take you out here and leave you. I promise you we're going to come back. But another thing that you can do is that you can decline the call altogether. How many of you have been praying for people and you've been trying to invite them to church and you've been trying to get them to the altar? However, they want nothing to do with your God. These are people who have hit the decline button. You can remind yourself later. You can put God on the burner. Because I've learned something about God. He always calls at the most inconvenient times. You're supposed to be saved and you out there hunching. That's the word I learned. And it ain't your wife or your husband. And take it a little bit further, your wife or husband at work. You don't want to be bothered with God right now. I don't want to be bothered with the things of God. I want to look saved, but I don't want to really be saved. And that's the problem that we have in the body of Christ now is that we have gotten so comfortable in grace that we don't realize that grace will not keep us at the end of the day if I have not given my life to the Lord. Are you really sure about this? Because God is calling his church. God is calling us back to repentance. And I know this is old school and we don't say this no more, but God is calling us back to a state of holiness. Because I remember when we were holy, we could talk to the devil and the devil would flee. But now, we're, now that we're unholy, God, the devil has moved into our houses. You want to know why your kids acting the fool? Because we've left holiness at the altar for popularity of the world. God in here. On this phone. We can connect with family and friends. On this phone, we can play games. On this phone, some people play a lot of games on these phones. But on these phones, almost instantaneously, it can connect us around the world. But how many of you know the same thing with a relationship with God can happen? Amen, somebody. Are you sure about accepting this call? The Bible says that Peter was referencing our salvation. You see, uh, next slide, there, 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 are, there are different things, there are different calls that we find in the Bible. One is a call to salvation, one is a call to prayer, and there's also a call to works. When we look at God, and I can also go further and say that there's a call to relationship with him, and there's also a call to eternal life. When God makes the call, he makes call for different reasons, but as we are looking at this text, we are talking about your salvation. Have you answered the call of God for your life? Because he desires for us to be saved. He says, I come that you might have life. And that you may have life, what more? How many of us can say that we're living the abundant life? He calls us because he wants a relationship with us. He calls us because he wants us to to walk with him. He calls us because he wants to do something in us that will keep us from the sting of death. That's why he's calling us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe they have it. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Y'all got it? Y'all don't have it? 2 Corinthians 5 says this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's Bible. So if I'm in Christ, if I have salvation, that means that I ought to have some evidence about me that I'm not still in my old life. 
So if I'm going to walk with God, first thing I got to do is make a self-evaluation. When I get saved, when I receive the salvation of God, the very first thing I must do in myself is evaluate myself. Look at yourself. I received the Holy Ghost. Am I still walking in sin? Am I still cussing and lying? Am I still going out and deceiving? Am I still putting my time in and I ain't been at work? Amen, somebody. I like these lights because I can't see y'all. I've got to make a self-evaluation. I've got to learn that when I'm in Christ, everything about me changes. How many know that there, there's a story of a caterpillar? A caterpillar goes through a transition and becomes what? Say it again. Butterfly and caterpillar. Can y'all put that picture up, please? If y'all got it. Butterfly and caterpillar are two completely different things. Because when the caterpillar goes through life, he goes through life walking on the branch, eating the leaves. He cannot fly. He cannot do what the butterfly can do. However, we have the misconception that a caterpillar and a butterfly are the same bug. However, when you look at a caterpillar and test a caterpillar, and then you take a butterfly and you test the butterfly, you have two completely different samples of life. The caterpillar at one point in his life understands that I have to go through a transition. There's nobody there to tell the caterpillar when. There's nobody there to tell him it's time for you to get into the chrysalis. There's nobody there to tell him this is your moment. He knows with inside himself that I have to get to a point where I have to stop living off of just simply eating and walking the branch. And I have to become what I was called to be. However, what happens is, you can check this out and look it up. I thought this was amazing when I first saw it. What happens is when the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, the caterpillar makes a complete transformation to the point not the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. The caterpillar in the chrysalis completely liquefies. The caterpillar is no more in the chrysalis. What happens is the caterpillar, which is mostly water like you, becomes water in the chrysalis. And as he becomes that, he is now regenerated into something else called a butterfly. However, when the butterfly comes out of the chrysalis, the butterfly cannot fly immediately because he is coming out of the water and he has to allow his wings to dry. Once you've been in the water, you may not be able to fly immediately because you got to let some stuff dry off of you. If any man be in Christ, he's no longer the caterpillar. He is a new what? Creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, he has become. Come on, can we praise God for that? That I'm no longer what I used to be. Now I got some areas in my life where you still, you catch me on the wrong day. Help us, Lord. Ooh, look at the preacher. 
You catch me on the wrong day, on the wrong moment. I'm not telling you that this flesh is not being crucified every single day. But what I'm telling you is every single morning when I wake up, I say, God, make me better than I was yesterday. God, I want to be more like you than I was yesterday because I want to be like that butterfly. I want to become the thing that I was destined to be. Are you sure that you're ready for the transition? Because when the, butter, when the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, he can no longer do his own will. He's at the mercy of the chrysalis. <laughs> will you allow yourself to be wrapped by the chrysalis and allow him to transform you into the thing in which he called you to be? This is what salvation produces in us. It takes us from our old life and it manifests the new life. Check this out. The butterfly and the caterpillar are so different that they don't even eat the same thing. You better help in here, Holy Ghost. The caterpillar eats the leaves. The butterfly eats the pollen. So what you have to understand is, I'm sorry, I'm old school. I like to walk. What you have to understand is, somebody give me a hand here, Mike. What you got to understand is this. Eat differently. You cannot eat the same thing you used to eat. Some of us had addictions when we were in the world. But when we become more like Christ, I'll get up here so y'all ain't got to keep doing that. When we become more like Christ, what we got to understand is my appetite has to change. One of the evidence of being saved is that the things I, old school saints used to say, the stuff I used to do, I don't do no more. If you find comfort in sin, you got to make some self-evaluations, baby. Why am I comfortable here? I'm supposed to be saved. Why am I comfortable here? I'm supposed to be delivered. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Y'all getting something? Hopefully you are. Are you sure about what the call cost you? This isn't just something you do for church. This is something that you do for God. One thing I loved about COVID, my wife will tell you, I, I'm not proud of this, but I mean, it is what it is. I didn't watch the online broadcast. I told my wife, I said, I don't like online church. I like to be in the house. I like to be there. I like to be in the midst of the saints. I like to hear the saints worship. I like to see what happens in the house. And God called me. He said, is it about the saints or is it about me? One thing I've learned about COVID-19 was that as church house began to close, the church in me began to grow. Because what I had to do was I had to lean on the thing that kept the church sustained. I had to call on the name of the Lord myself. I had to call and get before the Lord myself. Both uh, you, you got to count the cost to follow Jesus. Because although salvation is free, it has a cost attached to it. Part of the cost is this. Both you got to trust both in your faith and trust in the word of God. Have you ever been somewhere and you ask God, you said, God, your word says, and it seems like God hadn't showed up. 
Let's be real. Have you ever prayed and it seemed like your prayers just hit the ceiling and nothing seemed to happen? What happens is many of us give up because we have gotten to the point in our faith where it has to be instantaneously. But God says, have you learned? Let me give y'all new school church folk an old school word and it's called Terry. Sometimes God wants to see how bad you want it. One thing I learned about the Jewish tradition, when we lived in Cincinnati, we lived next to a heavily Jewish, uh, populated Jewish town. And, and one thing I learned about the Jewish tradition is this. When a Jewish child asks his father for something, he has to tell him no three times. He has to tell him no three times because he had to make sure that his son didn't just want it for, for just to have it, but he really, really wanted it. And sometimes when we come to God, the no is to see how bad do you want it. Sometimes when we come to God, God will tell us no one because sometimes we ain't ready for what we really praying about. If God gave you what you've been praying about today, could you handle it? Because there's something called preparation. The thing that I believe God for, I have to prepare myself to receive. Because if I have not prepared myself to receive the thing that I've asked God for, I make God a lie because his blessing will hit the floor instead of coming to fertile ground. God doesn't sow where the ground ain't ready. Right now at my house, I'm planning, I'm planning a brand new yard. When we moved into our house back in March, my yard was 100% clover. If you don't know what clover is, it's mess. What I did was I stripped the entire yard. I killed every piece of grass, every blade of clover I could find. I killed it. And <laughs> I had to go get dirt. I had to scrape the lawn. I had to do all of this stuff. And here we are. What is this? July. So we bought the house in March. Here it is, July. And last Sunday, I planted seed. Today, we looked up and we have a lawn. Or half a lawn. I only did half of it to see if it worked. So we have half a lawn. And one thing during the process, my children kept saying, Daddy, when will it grow? Daddy, when will the yard be green again? I had to let them know I have to prepare the ground to receive the seed. And sometimes, I bought the house in March, March 10th. My yard has been tore up from March 10th to last Sunday, sometimes the preparation of the ground takes longer than the seed germinating. I planted grass last Sunday and I have grass this Sunday, but it took from March to July to prepare the ground. Sometimes the reason the Lord don't throw seed at you is because he's preparing your heart to receive the thing that you have been praying about. This is why sometimes when God does bless, it happens suddenly. But, you, but what we see is there are some people who will walk in my yard and see the new lawn and say, look at that. That looks good. But you don't know the preparation I had to go through to get this. And there are some people who will see God move in your life but don't know the preparation of your heart. How long it took God to get me to a point that I could receive the thing that he wants to do in my life. Never get upset because somebody sees what God is doing and you think that you're not blessed. 
Some of you have been going for years. Some of you have been going for decades. Some of you have been going your whole life. But let me tell you something about God. When your heart is ready and you are prepared, God can put the thing in your life. For the text says, if, let's go back to where it says you got to have long suffering, you got to have faith, long suffering, uh, all that stuff. You got to have faith. You got to have long suffering. You got to have, have virtue. You got to have uh, uh, love. You got to have all this stuff. And it says, then you can bear fruit. Sometimes we can't bear fruit is because we still mean. Sometimes we can't bear fruit is because we're still evil. Sometimes we can't bear fruit because we have not prepared our lives to, prepare, to, to bear it. Are you ready for this? Because we somewhat pimp salvation. I'm saved. No, you ain't. Who are you to tell me I'm not saved? I'm not here to tell you you're not saved, but I'm here to tell you I'm judging your fruit. I can't judge you, but I can sure enough judge what you're producing. You can tell me something about my wife, but we're in relationships to the point where you can tell me something about it. And I can tell you, you, you a lie because that ain't my wife. Why? Because I've been in a relationship with her. I can tell you this. I've been in Jesus long enough to know when your fruit don't smell right. I've been in Jesus long enough to know when your fruit is mutated. And what happens is when you get to that CCC, that's the old school church. The old school church, the mothers did not have a problem to tell you, baby, you wrong. But now in the body of Christ, we so worried about somebody's feelings and them leaving that we rather them go to hell than to tell them, baby, you was wrong. I'm looking at your fruit. You was wrong. And I'm telling you this because I love you. You've got to make a self-evaluation. Are you walking in faith? Do you have the virtue? Do you have the knowledge? Do you have the temperance? Do you have the patience? Are you walking in godliness? Are you walking in love? Are you walking in brotherly kindness? These are the things that it says in verse number eight. It is this where we produce fruit. I've got to walk in the thing that God has called me to walk in. It's when we lack these things that it says we're blind. The blind lead the blind. One of them fall in the ditch. They both fall. I heard Bishop Noel Jones say this. He says, I used to have a problem with this text. And I said, that's it when he said this. He said, I had a problem because I could understand the first blind man falling in the ditch. But I couldn't understand the second blind man falling in the ditch. Because the second blind man trusted in the first blind man. It was the first blind man who presumed to lead and he couldn't. And then he said, God said to him, a blind man ought to know the characteristics of a blind man. He said, God told him, this is why. The second one fell into the ditch because you ought to know the characteristics of a blind man. If you are saved and you are connected with some things that ain't saved, you ought to know the characteristics of salvation and be able to say, because I love you, I'm going to say something about it. Quit letting your family and friends go to hell because you scared. I'd rather sever the relationship and you get into heaven than to go let you go to hell just so we can be cool and go out and hang out. I'd rather walk this world by myself to tell you, baby, Jesus got more for you than what you're doing. Quit worried about folk feelings. 
and worry about their salvation. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to live this life that God has called us to live? Are you truly ready for what God has for you? Are you truly ready for this walk of salvation? Make your calling and your election sure. The thing I love about that scripture is God is sure when he called you. God is sure when he chose you. But are you sure that you're ready for everything that God wants to do through you? Are you sure you're ready to go through the sacrifice for somebody else? They used to say, they used to say, if you ain't got nothing to pray for, come up here and stand in a gap for somebody else. Are you ready to stand in the gap for somebody who can ride off your salvation? Salvation is a wonderful life, but it has its cost. Salvation is an amazing life, but it has its cost. When you walk with Jesus, there are some things that can happen. One thing I learned about Jesus, Jesus can take you into places your money can't get you into. Pastor said at one time when we bought our house, he said, y'all go out to Winchester. They living in the mansion. And I used to be like, man, be quiet. Now I'd be like, we sure do. The Lord blessed us. Because, and I'm going to be honest with you, preacher and all, it was my wife. I said to her, I said, this is what we approved for. I said, we can't buy what you want with this money. I said, this is what we can buy, 1,700 square feet or less. My wife said, not my God. And this woman dragged me way out to D.C., deep country. Winchester, Kentucky. I said, baby, they ain't even got a Chick-fil-A out here. She drove me way out there. And the funny thing is, I showed her the house because I was trying to wait for another house to come on the market so I could just appease her for a moment. And she went to the house and she fell in love. She said, this is it. I said, God, what we want, we can't afford. Make a way. We made an offer. We closed on the house. When you believe God, and I didn't say that to, to brag or anything like that. I say this to say, when you believe God, there are some things he will take you into. For his glory. Because I made a post the other day. I said, I told her when we moved here, ain't nobody coming out here to visit us. And it's every single Sunday, I mean, Sunday dinner after Sunday dinner after Sunday dinner. And it is a place where we can go and we can fellowship and we can host the saints and we can go and we have room to do it. Why? Because all we desire to do is give God glory. And when you desire to give God glory, he will open up doors that you can't, can't do. He will open up doors that ain't got handles on them. God will raise up when he says, he said, he talks, I don't want to get into Malachi, but in Malachi, he says, I will open up a window of heaven and pour you out, not blessings, but a blessing. It's a wonderful life when all your desire is to please him. God, I, I don't pray for cars. I don't pray for stuff like that. God knows you need that stuff. I pray, let that dude across the street see your glory. And in the midst of that, God begins to bless. You don't need a Rolls Royce. You need salvation. 
Because you ain't going to drive that fancy car up in heaven. You don't need uh, to, to, to a house on the lake. But the thing I learned about God is that when you do his wills, he gives you the desires of your heart. When we were pastoring, I said, God, I want to be a unique church. And I will stand here today and tell you, and my wife can verify it, out of every single marriage that I perform, about 20 marriages, to this day, nobody has gotten divorced. Not a single one. Because I said to the Lord, Lord, and this is even before I met her, none of those marriages I've done have gotten divorced. I said, Lord, what you join together I'm believing you. Let no man put us under. When we were pastoring, we had homosexual relationships come into church, sit up in church next to their girlfriend, sit up in church next to their boyfriend. And it wasn't long later that God delivered them. And we were make, doing marriages for folk who used to be gay and now they're together. We baptized folk who said, I was raised Muslim. I was raised Muslim, but when I came here, it was something about the name of Jesus. And I put them in the water and brought them back up, and they're still Christians to this day. Why? Because something has to happen in you. That all your, and it's not, I'm not bragging on myself. What I'm telling you is I'm giving you evidence. I'm giving you a testimony of when you turn your whole life over to God, and you worship God, and you give him glory, you start to see things changed you want your enemies to kill each other praise God you want to fight your battles worship God you want to see your life uh, your friends saved live a life of salvation in you so I ask the question are you sure you really want this God are you sure you really want this God who makes you change your whole life are you sure you really want this God who makes you change everything about you? Are you sure you want this God? The Bible says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Are you sure you're ready for a God that you got to deny your own will? He gave us the perfect example. His name was Jesus. In the old church, they used to say, if you ain't preached Jesus, you ain't preached at all. So let me tell you something. He gave us Jesus. Jesus came, he walked, he lived, he died. But before he went to the cross, he said something amazing. Not my will, but your will be done. When you become sure about your call, you understand it's all about him. It's good to get the glory. It's good for folk to praise you. It's good for folk to get excited about what you did. It's good for folk, when you come out of the pulpit, they say, oh, that was a word. But if you don't turn it around and bring it back to the throne, there ain't no glory in it. So I don't know who's here, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to draw you to this altar and all this. The governor said I can't do that. But, but, but God said use wisdom. But what I'm going to tell you this. If you've been struggling with your salvation, There is another way. If you want to get it right, there is another way. If you want it to be, uh, if you want life renewed, there is another way. His name is Jesus.
and we you may have come to the church and you may have given your life to the pastor and one thing that we 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 fail and i say this as a church as a whole one thing we fail as a church as a whole is follow up folk will get saved they'll come to church for a couple weeks and we never see them again and we never follow up run into them, we find out they went back to their old life. How many of you know, the devil, the devil, he don't want you to get saved, but, 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 but he'll gladly take you back. So if that's you, you've been struggling with your salvation as we pray, as we pray. We're going to go into a time of prayer right now. As we pray, I want you to lay it all on the altar. Lay it all on the altar. And I don't know if I preach to anybody in here, but if there's one that gets this, I've done my job. As we pray, Whoever you are, lay it on the altar. I'm not going to do it. We're not going to do it today. The ministers of this church, the leadership of this church ain't going to do it. You've got to do this one. You've got to do this one. And I believe that God can change you right here in this moment, in this instant. Just like on the day of Pentecost, it says suddenly he comes in the room. I believe that he can do it suddenly in your life. The woman with the issue of blood was dealing with it for 12 years. As soon as she touched Jesus, she was healed. And I believe that Jesus is in this room. I believe the spirit of God is in this room. So let's go before the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much right now, God. God, we thank you for everything that you've said in this place, God. We thank you for everything that you're doing in this place, God. God, I thank you for every song that went forth. God, I thank you for every worship that went forth. Don't just listen to me pray. I need you to pray for yourself. Lay hands on yourself and begin to pray for yourself. Right now, God, every single person in this place, God, that may be dealing with uh, questions about their salvation, God, that may be dealing with some things that they've been going through, God, that have been questioning their lives, God. God, whether it be sexuality, God, whether it be porn addiction, God, whether it be living with somebody that know is not theirs God whether it be 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 questions about their reality God whatever it is God I pray right now to that we arrest the Holy Ghost in this place God for the Bible says after the Holy Ghost comes upon you you'll you shall receive power so right now God I pray for your power to fall in this house God God right now God I pray for the Holy Ghost to come in this place God God right now God I pray for lives to be renewed God right now God I pray for minds to be regulated God right now God I pray for sickness to be healed right now God I pray for deliverance to come right now God I pray for houses to be healed right now God I pray for husbands to be saved right now God I pray for wives to be saved right now God I pray for children to come back right now God I pray that our salvation is secure right now God whatever we're dealing with right now in the name of Jesus I pray right now that your power falls in their life and I'd be remiss to not think that the enemy is pulling on you right now so right now devil I'm speaking to you in this place. You have no power. You have no authority. And in the name of Jesus, I call you out right now. So whatever is holding on to you, I pray right now that the devil will release you. That the demons will set you free. No longer will you wake up in the middle of the night tormented in your mind. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. God, you do it. God, you do it. In Jesus' name. And if you believe God can do it, put your hands together. Come on, if you. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. Until next time, keep growing.